Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. My name's Annette. I'm Alex Harris. I'm Bruce. And my name is Sheila Warner. Hi, folks. My name is David. When we first walked through the doors, Carla D. Simone welcomed us with open arms. They wanted, She showed us around where everything was. Um, at that minute, when she was so um, welcoming and smiling and talkative to us, I knew that this was going to be our forever church home. I started coming and attending and getting real comfortable being a member here, and um, I joined the church, and I, I really didn't know anybody. Um, there weren't a lot of people from where I live in Aston going to the church that I knew, so by joining the First Impressions team really opened up um, a whole new avenue of friends um, for me, uh, just from meeting them in the church and interacting with them. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Carla, got involved in the church uh, when we drove past the school one day and saw that there was a sign where there was a church meeting. And so we got involved early on and thought that uh, perhaps greeting at the front door at the, uh, at the church, at the school, would be somewhere where we would enjoy it. And so that was our first entry into uh, volunteering was at the uh, front door, greeting folks coming into the auditorium. What a great time of day. Sunday morning, the church is starting to wake up. People are coming in the doors and everybody is friendly and happy and more than willing to help out. The opportunity that Susan and I have doing coffee in the morning, please don't get worried. I have no kitchen skills, so I, I am only there to move the urns from one spot to another or put out the uh, coffee and the creamers and everything else. But everybody comes up, they're in a great mood, and it's unbelievable how appreciative they are of you that you've made it. I think that coffee to so many people is one of those things, it's just familiar, it's comforting. So coming in, getting that cup of coffee, being greeted with a smile, and for me by a smile, it's, it really does brighten my day. Um, I recently got involved with the parking team. And so that consists of a group of folks that uh, spend uh, their morning out in the parking lot making sure that there's uh, all safe things that go on out there, whether it be folks getting in and uh, making sure that they have a great spot to park or uh, we also come out and, and meet them at their cars and sometimes we'll follow them in with an umbrella. I work on the first impression team welcoming in new families, uh, give them tours of the church, show the kids where the fun part of the church is. I started out, I used to work at the front door, was I saw everybody that came in for the service. Everybody is welcoming it's a wonderful place to be but the biggest thing is it's gotten us involved and we love that to be part of this church volunteering at valley point has really allowed me to make connections and friendships with people that i probably wouldn't have, would have otherwise not have met had i not volunteered growing up i never volunteered it was never a part of my life and now it is and now it's a part of my kids life so that to me is a gift my encouragement for someone looking to jump on a team is just do it. You won't regret it. It's very rewarding. There's never any pressure and there's always help needed somewhere.
So look, if you're even considering volunteering or being a part of any team here, uh, on your connection card, there is a box for meet your significance. Um, check that off and you get to meet with some people and get some next steps and uh, get a little peek behind the curtain as to what's actually involved in your volunteering. For everyone that walks through the doors here at Valley Point, my hope is that you feel cared about, I bring a smile to your face, and that you feel encouraged on your faith journey. The video highlights people who have chosen to take the one life that they have and they are doing something significant with it through the church and I think that is beautiful and we want to keep thinking about that today. It actually leads right into our big idea so please take out your talk notes and grab a pen and let's walk through this. Here's our big idea. Do something significant with your life by compassionately living out the message of the gospel. So this is an opportunity that all of us have, and it's a do challenge today. You live out the message of the gospel, and in doing that, you have the opportunity to be significant with this one life that you have, and share the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news. That's what that means. It's the good news about how Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And if we trust in him alone to rescue us, we can have a forever friendship with God. That's great news. So our encouragement today is do something significant with your life by compassionately. And we'll come back to that word. That's kind of a big word for us today compassionately living out the message of the gospel. I want to share a quote with you from John Calvin, a theologian and scholar from the 1500s. He talks about the gospel this way. He says, it is not a doctrine of the tongue, but of life, which is a fascinating statement because we share the gospel verbally, but it's not just about what we say, it's about life. It cannot be grasped by reason and memory only, but it is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. Interesting. And we want to think through this a little bit, the gospel, this good news. How can we who claim to know Christ and follow him, and have trusted in him, actually live this out in effective ways that impacts hearts. How can we do this? Welcome to week number three of Reflections and Reveries. This is our theme, and Reflections has the idea of thinking and pondering, and generally that's about the past. We think about something that has taken place back there, and we may wonder about it a little bit. That's the reflection part. Reveries has the idea of dreamy meditations or fanciful musings, and that is generally focused on the future. What if? And we dream a little bit. Reflections 
and reveries. Today we want to reflect on some ancient biblical documents. That'll be the reflection part, and then there will be some reverie because we want to think about how those ancient biblical documents have something to say for how we should be living today, but not just today, also tomorrow and well into the future. So we're going to reflect a little bit, and then we'll also dream about the future. So let's think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know these to be the Gospels. These are ancient biblical documents that share the life and the story of the historical Jesus. And here at Valley Point, we spend a lot of time reading the Gospels, and rightly so, because this is where we meet Jesus, and we hear his words, and we get to engage in the activities that he involved himself in while he was here on earth. The Gospels are fantastic. Great literature. Great literature. But here's the deal, and maybe the problem. Most people aren't going to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most people aren't going to take time to do that. Now, if we claim to know Jesus and follow him and love him, we may read through the Gospels, or at least we are potentially aware of their content, but most people really aren't going to take time to read through the Gospels. They're just not going to do that. It's kind of like me with the Star Wars movies. Now, before you boo me or throw things at me, hear me out a little bit. I have upset people for two hours now making fun of Star Wars, but here's the deal. I just want you to think about how most people aren't going to read the Gospels. That's kind of like me in Star Wars. So here's the deal. I don't get it. I've watched a few of the movies. They don't make sense to me. I can't follow the plot line. There's odd characters and they scream and yell a lot, and the music, you know, that whole thing, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, There it is. I have no plans in the future, no plans at any point to binge watch the Star Wars movies. I'm not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Now, Rocky, on the other hand, how you do it, right? I love Rocky, but I understand this fully. Not everyone is going to watch Rocky. And may God have mercy on their souls. (laughs) Because Rocky, what's there not to like, right? I actually have a document that I found the other day, and I saved it because it was so humorous, actually. It talks about how you can raise your kids using values from the Rocky movies. Now, I don't recommend that, per se, but that's an actual thing. It's a real thing. My point here is that not everyone is going to watch Star Wars. Not everyone is going to watch Rocky. Not everyone is going to read or watch the Gospels. It's just not going to happen. If that's the case, and I think it is, I find that to be truthful. If that's the case, then how in the world do people hear about the transforming power of Christ and how he provides hope for everyone. How do we hear about that? 
And here's what I want us to consider today. If you have trusted in the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers through Christ, then your life, think about this now, your life is a visible witness for the one, for Christ. And to take it a step further, God wants to share the greatest message of hope through us. That's what God wants to do. The greatest message of hope the world has ever known, God wants to use those who have trusted in Christ alone to actually share that with other people, which brings us back to the big idea, do something significant with your life by compassionately living out the truth of the good news or the gospel. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you've trusted in Christ alone to rescue you, we could say there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you. We are kind of like a fifth gospel. I think we have to be careful there because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are inspired books by God. They are breathed out by him, and we are not inspired books of the Bible. But I do believe this. Followers of Jesus should be inspiring. So we may not be inspired, but we should be inspiring. And author Bobby Conway starts, states it this way. This was Jesus' original intention for ordinary people like us, to live inspiring lives, pointing others to the only message, the only person who can give them hope, not only for this life, but also for the next. And the reality is people will probably read you. They will probably observe you and your life and come to some conclusions there. And based on what they see in you, perhaps come to grips with the reality of Jesus. And if that happened, oh my, if that happened, if people looked at us and saw the reality of Jesus, if that happened, then what happens next? Well, these are questions that I have been contemplating. Okay, let's do this. Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 through 38. If you have a Bible or a device, please turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading with verse 35 in just a moment. We're going to drop into a story here about the historical Jesus and how he was talking to some people here, and he's giving some great instruction that I think is applicable not only for yesterday, but also for our lives today. And it gives a hint or a way, a method, if you will, on how we can live out the truth of the gospel. So here's what we read, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And here's what he did. He healed every kind of disease and illness. That's just what Jesus did. Now, notice verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. 
Again, there's that word compassion, and we'll come back to that because it's so dynamic in the text here. You can picture this, can't you? Jesus looking out. Big crowds here, all kinds of needs, and they knew Jesus could help, and so there's a lot of stuff happening, and he looks out at these crowds and compassion. Compassion because they were confused, and that word has the idea that they were troubled, they were bothered, and they were helpless, it says, and that means they were thrown down, they're dejected. Okay, they were confused, they're troubled, they're bothered, they're thrown down, they're dejected, they are helpless, and in the construction of the sentence, the indication here is that this is a habitual condition. So this has been going on, the brokenness, the trouble, the being bothered, the being thrown down, the being dejected. This has been going on for a long time. It's not like they're just having a bad day, and snap out of it, Jesus is here and everybody will feel better, right? It's not that at all. This has been going on for a long time. And here's the picture. They're like sheep without a shepherd, just wandering all over the place. So Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest Ask him to send more workers, more laborers, more doers into his fields. Uniquely in Matthew chapter 9, we find compassion, this beautiful word, Jesus looking out and being moved by what he observed, to this claim of him saying, hey, the harvest is great, but the laborers there's not enough. And so join me in praying that the God of the harvest will send out more laborers into his fields or more compassionate lovers of the gospel, the good news. So from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, we can pull some thinking points right out of this text. Here we go. Number one, Jesus traveled with the purpose of teaching, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and healing. That's what he did. And this is what occupied the time of Jesus. He's teaching, he's healing, he's announcing things about the kingdom. That filled the time of Jesus. Number two, Jesus had compassion on people. Probably not a surprise here. We know this about Jesus, and when you read all of the Gospels, you find this phrase over and over again that Jesus looked out and he was moved, he felt bad for people, he had compassion. But I think it's so good for us to be reminded that this is how Jesus feels about people. That's good for us to know. Now, the word compassion, I love this word. And the Greek word for compassion is my favorite New Testament Greek word, I just love it. Keep in mind, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and then translated into other languages. So here's the Greek word that we have for compassion. It's the word splanknizomai. Isn't that great? Splanknizomai, like when you say it, this happens, 
you're moved in the inward parts. Splunk needs, oh my, which causes us to take pity. So just imagine this now. Jesus looks out on the crowd and Splunk needs, oh my. Wow, he's moved on the inside because they're hurting and desperate and lost and wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus took pity on them. Compassion, great word. Number three, Jesus noted that the harvest is great. We read this in the text, but the workers are few. In other words, more people are needed to compassionately live out the message of the good news. More people are needed for this. More people who already claim to know Jesus and love him. They're needed to step up and take responsibility for this. Number four, God is in charge of the harvest. How about that? That's encouraging, I think. It's not my responsibility or your responsibility to be in charge of the harvest. God will take care of that, but we do have a part in this. And then finally, number five, pray for God to send more workers. And the language here is stronger than what appears in the English. The picture here is that God needs to force people out because it's that important that people receive compassion and they hear about the good news and here's what Jesus can do for you. So God needs to send people out, force people out because it's that important and it is a necessity. More lovers of the gospel in compassionate ways are needed. And that takes us right back to our big idea. Do something significant with your life so that you can compassionately live out the message of the good news, the gospel. Think about this for just a moment. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, if you've done that, then we have a responsibility in this. It's not like it's just for, you know, God, send her because she seems to be really compassionate and I'm not built that way. Or send him because he's good at it. No, if we have trusted in Christ alone, we all have a responsibility. Compassion and going out and living the message of the gospel. I think the question becomes how. So this probably makes sense to people who believe in Christ. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to act like him. And he was a great guy, really helped people, and I need to be doing that. Even if I don't do it in perfect ways, yes, that should be done. But I think the question really becomes how, though, in a post-Christian culture, in a post-Christian world, can you do this? So you're not really viewed like a Jesus freak? Because <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that. Or, oh, here she comes, or here he comes. They're a little odd for God, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction because I don't want to engage in that kind of conversation. So how do we do this, right? How do we do something significant with the one life that God has given to us and compassionately live out this message of the gospel? Well, let's reverie for a little bit and take these ancient documents and what we discover here, like Jesus being compassionate and how more lovers of the gospel are needed, and let's build some takeaways. Number one, develop deeper intimacy with Christ. Boy, if we want to do this in an effective way, more 
intimacy with Christ, more time with him, more talking to him, more listening to him. By the way, you're doing that this morning, so great job. Thank you for being a part of our experience today. What we do here is designed to help people grow a little bit closer to Christ. And so you're making that choice, but beyond what happens on a Sunday, there should be these opportunities on Monday through Saturday to also deepen our intimacy with Christ. And so what are you doing there to engage and build this dynamic friendship with Christ? And the reason we want to do that is because when you're stepped on, (laughs) when life gets really hard, and when the waves come and all the pressure is right there, when we get stepped on, what's on the inside will come out. It has to. And if there is anger and hatred and bitterness, a lack of thankfulness, all of that just comes out. But if we're really trying to pursue intimacy with Christ, we might battle with those things all of the time, and we will, but yet there's a sense that if our heart is pointed in his direction, the character of Christ will also come out especially in regards to compassion. And imagine what that can potentially do where we live, work, and play. So really the starting point here is develop deeper intimacy with Christ. Number two, eradicate idols that compete for your allegiance. When we come to Christ, we embrace him as leader. That's what's supposed to happen. Often we allow a lot of other stuff to lead us or we kick Jesus out of the driver's seat, so to speak, and we put a lot of other things there, including ourselves. We may be our own idols. And sometimes idols aren't always bad things, but anything that competes with Jesus, it needs to be removed and put in its proper place. And so if we want to passionately live out the message of the gospel and help people see Christ around us, we may have to eradicate idols that compete for the allegiance of Christ. Number three, your weaknesses, guess what? God can use them. And not only God can God use them, he, he actually wants to use them. And boy, this is what you see on every page in Scripture When you walk through the corpus of the Bible, you come to understand that God used very messed up people who had all kinds of problems and failures and issues, but yet when they turned their heart in God's direction, he used all of that, their strengths and their weaknesses, their failures, their sins. God used all of that to do some really extraordinary things. God did that in the past. He's doing that today, and I am fully convinced he will continue to do that well into the future because this is how the gospel is shared. It is through our weaknesses, through our strengths as well, but through our weaknesses. And God has this unique ability to ball all of that together and say, go out and just help people, help people, give compassion. I do think one of the significant ways we can do that is through volunteering 
just giving of ourselves and saying, okay, God, I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together, but yet I do think you can use this in my life. And I may be able to extend compassion to other people through some type of volunteering. And I would encourage you to pursue that. As a matter of fact, there is a flyer in your program that I would like for you to take out right now and just begin to look at that because it talks about different areas of service within the church. And we watched this video of people who were served by others and they were encouraged and inspired by that and now they're turning around and they're choosing to do a lot of that on their own and we all have this opportunity. Here at Valley Point, we try to make volunteering very easy and this isn't about just filling a task or sitting somewhere. I really think that it's about finding significance and saying, I'll use my weaknesses and my strengths and I'll give it a shot and I will extend compassion, whether I'm in the parking lot, in the lobby, if I'm downstairs with kids, if I'm going on compassion trips, if I'm doing whatever may need to be done. I think volunteering gives us this opportunity to allow our weaknesses to be used by God. So pursue that. Please, you can fill that out. You can drop it in the basket as you leave, and we'll work with you because we want everybody here to be thinking about how you can use what God has given to you. Okay, final takeaway, and that is choose Splunk Needs Oh My. Yes, you have to spell that out. Choose Splunk Needs Oh My, and here's why. Compassion is the signature style of Jesus. So there's the overarching theme of redemption. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, And he did that by giving his life and dying and rising again. He accomplished that. The way he did that and the pattern we see all throughout the Gospels. Compassion. 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 Jesus looking out and being moved on the inside. And it caused him to take pity on others. And again, I think we need more lovers of the gospel who behave in this way. If you are compassionate, God's going to use that. Let me just know. Because it's so different than counterculture. If you are compassionate, if you're moved for people, it's really going to stand out. And then, and then as you do that, where you live, work, and play, be on mission for God. So develop deeper intimacy with Christ. Eradicate idols that compete for your allegiance. Your weaknesses, God can use them, and then choose splunk needs, oh my. And then where you live, work, and play, be on mission for God. Make things better. Work with high integrity. Create curiosity. Solve problems. Offer hospitality to all under the umbrella of compassion. And I think you may be amazed at how you get the chance to partner with God in sharing the greatest message ever, the gospel, the good news. Now, I want to address a tension. And that tension is this. Maybe you're here and you would say, I don't really know if I'm a follower of Jesus as you describe. I'm just not there yet. Thinking about it. 
I'm trying to see if Jesus is really who he claimed to be, but I don't know if I would say I'm a true follower of Jesus. And maybe you're thinking right now, is this just one of those talks where you fire up the troops to go out and make a big difference, make the world a better place? Yes. Go do that. Is this just one of those conversations? And maybe you're thinking, haven't Christians been encouraged to do this a lot? And haven't they created a lot of messes in the world? It's true. You could write a book or probably multiple books about the failures and the sins of Christians. And there is no shortage of arrogant, divisive, loud, narcissistic, scary Christians. Scary Christians. And maybe you're thinking, isn't faith all a little antiquated anyway? After all, we've arrived somewhat and there's a lot of good things happening, so isn't this a bit antiquated? Well, if that's how you're feeling, I'm glad that you're here. And I would just encourage you this way as you continue to think and research Jesus and investigate all of this. I would want you to know that this conversation is not about raising the volume on Jesus. It's about encouraging people who love him to act like him and raise the volume on compassion, on activity. Because I think this is the way to stir curiosity in others and initiate faith-based conversations that might help people come to a conclusion about the reality of Jesus and what they should do with him. So this isn't about raising the volume, let's just get louder about Jesus. No, it's not about that. It's about raising the volume on acting like Jesus, which is our responsibility as followers. Right? Big idea. Do something significant with your life by compassionately living out the message of the gospel the good news. May God give us the strength and the courage to do just that. Father, Matthew chapter 9 has some ancient words here that help us see a conversation that you had many years ago with people who were following you and you recognized that there was, there was an issue and you looked out at the crowds and you were moved on the inside. And that feeling of compassion caused you to take pity. And then you called the followers to say, the harvest is so great. So many people need to hear about the transforming life of Jesus and the hope that he offers, but we need more lovers of the gospel to go out and live the kind of life that creates thirst and interest through compassion. God, my confession to you is that I often don't act and think in compassionate ways. I'm not moved on the inside. I don't take pity. And perhaps, God, there are people here who feel the same way. This is a call for us today to reflect 
on the ancient documents that reveal the behavior of Jesus and then to dream a little bit about the future and where we live, work, and play, how we can make a difference. So God, we confess this to you and ask that you would give us courage and strength to see people the way you see them. Help us to develop a deeper friendship with you. Help us to eradicate idols. God, help us to engage in activity with our weaknesses and our strength, knowing that you can use all of that. So God, we give this to you. Would you help me and would you help Valley Point Church to compassionately live out the message of the gospel? Help us to do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.